0: Welcome to the Idea Fit Pro
1: Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster. Greetings to our global fitness family, and thanks for joining me on another episode of the Idea Fit Pro Show. This is Sandy Webster, Idea's editor in chief, and your host for the podcast. Thanks very much for devoting a part of your day to listening in. In today's episode, I speak with Tasha Edwards. Whose 17 years as a certified personal trainer with two health coaching certifications and a master's degree in counseling have positively impacted the humans she works with every day. In addition to coaching clients toward meaningful change, she has several fitness certifications, including a 500-hour Pilates cert, a 250-hour yoga certification, and as a master trainer for Piloxing. Her passions are focused on creating diverse and inclusive spaces for all people, regardless of size, ability, or race, within the fitness and wellness communities. Let's dive in with Tasha to learn more about how to help our clients to see the best in themselves and to help them unlock their true potential. Welcome to The Pro Show, Tasha Edwards. I'm so grateful you are able to join me today.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me. I'm glad that we have been able to work this out.
1: Yeah, great to connect. Yeah. yeah, I would love it if you could kick off our conversation today by introducing yourself and describing how your path in the fitness industry
2: evolved. Oh, wow. Okay. Let me, that could take up the entire podcast. So <laughs> I'm, I'm Tasha Edwards and I have been in the industry, um, for over 17 years. I feel like some of the jobs that I had before kind of set me up for it, even though they weren't fitness industry type jobs. Um, but in 2004, my husband and I lost our house, um, had to file bankruptcy and move to another state. And, I took a job (laughs) at a local gym because I went from being a single mom of one working two jobs to a stay at home mom of two in a city that I didn't know anything about. Mm. And then I had to move again. And um, God bless stay at home moms, but it almost drove me nuts. And so (laughs) I, I went to the gym and I started working at the membership desk and my mother was horrified because I have a master's degree in counseling <laughs> and I was making five 15 an hour and she just, you know, she couldn't believe it. And if I'm really honest, Sandy, it was, I needed something to do, but I was also very emotionally connected to the diet culture. I needed to finish losing this weight from this mm-hmm. baby mm-hmm. and I needed to have this. And what what happened was as I'm selling memberships to people who are never going to stay at the gym for 24 months, I started finding about people's stories. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Like I wanted to hear people's stories. It was an all women's gym and I was reprimanded for having conversations when I should have been on the phone making cold calls. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I decided to teach yoga. I had, there was a $99 cert, you know, because back in the day, you had to go to Costa Rica for like three or four weeks. And I went and the owner of the gym told me, that's a lot of money um, to do something that's not in demand in the club. Um, So I went anyway, and Uh the the next month, the owner, they were husband and wife, he said, well, I'll pay for half of your personal training certification, but, you know, was telling all of my fellow co-workers, she's not going to make it. She's not going to make it. Hmm. And I think from there, just with the wisdom I came into the situation with and the determination to prove them wrong, I started learning what I could on the budget that I had. You know, eBay was awesome for buying used yoga books. <laughs> and, you know, you can go to the library and rent DVDs. You know, it was very... Um, grassroots, like trying to learn. And
1: it sounds like you were super resourceful just to to educate yourself in any way you could. And you were just really driven by (laughs) the determination to prove them wrong.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, being raised in, I went to magnet schools from first to 12th grade. And so that probably over-perfectionistic attitude you know, to, I'm going to have all the books. I need to figure out how to do it. I need to do this. I need to do that. And, but, but it served me, it served me well because it gave me both sides of the conversation. Like I was a professional, but I also knew what the struggle was like to try to become a professional in a world that was expensive and biased and not, um, inclusive. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. All things that really have, um, definitely formed your point of view and the things that I've, I've heard you speak about um, that we're going to get into more today, but you know, your 17 year journey in the industry is seasoned with a lot of rich and diverse experiences. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like from the very, from the get go, um, and I know you have two coaching certs today, but Mm -hmm. that, that gut instinct of yours to want to listen to people's stories, um, you just you naturally, you had that within you. Um, yeah. So I, 17 years in the industry is, is no joke. How have <laughs> you seen the industry change since 2005? And how has your career changed with it? Wow.
2: It has, it has expanded. You know, it was almost like the fitness industry was like this, the, the entryway was so narrow. And there were only so many things that you could do, you know, I have the benefit of working at a women's only gym. So I saw female trainers, but any experience before that, I never saw female trainers working in the gym, mm. you know? And so when I came into it, Les Mills was really big, like, you know, body pump was everywhere and they had just brought like body attack and, and, uh, body jam. So at my gym, that's what everybody else wanted to do. Um, and I love Les Mills. I have four Les Mills certifications. So but there was a different skill set to memorize choreography and practice as opposed to the other thing I learned to do after yoga, which was teach step, <laughs> you know, to yep. learn how to do your own choreography. You have to know the 32 count, you know, to learn how to do natural lead. So there's a different skill set.
0: hmm.
2: And so I have watched a lot of that kind of fade out um, with the more certifications, the kind of ready-made, you can kind of step into it. Um, I think that that is good for bringing other people in. But on the other hand, for people who did not get the education, the group fitness certs that everybody had to have, that's the background they don't have. So it was almost like, I'm glad you're here, but you have to have the education behind you so no one gets hurt right like that that sort of thing um yoga certs are no longer in the jungle you know they are they are (laughs) a lot more accessible and COVID made it even easier because people found out you really could do stuff virtually um i think at this point we're seeing older fitness professionals still doing what they do and it's not just a, a young person's game like you don't have to retire you can just change what it is that you're doing and so I see a vast array of ages, colors, and sizes, which is really exciting. And seeing men teach group fitness and women you know, rock the weight room. So I think that that's, that's the evolution I've seen. For me, it was kind of like, get in where you fit in. Like, what's the need? I'll come over there. And so I write as well. So blogging gave me a lot of opportunities. And if I had to pick a defining point that I feel like people in the world actually knew I existed, it was working on an Under Armour campaign. And Sandy, I didn't sleep for like three weeks because I wasn't the big influencer. I didn't have thousands of followers. But when they asked, could you teach a group class? I was like, oh, ma'am, I have this. I have this down pat. (laughs) I, I, I can totally do this. And I had almost 200 people. A community party for Zumba. We gave away um, prizes, and it was this way. And we had a boot camp before, and we did. And the person I was working with at Under Armour um, emailed my lead and said, "I don't know who this girl is, <laughs> but I need to talk to her. I need to meet her." And and I became one of the first blog ambassadors for Under Armour. Um, the only the only black female and I'll add at least 10 years over the other people that were there mm. with me. And I think that kind of catapulted me in other spaces where people were like, Oh, what's your name again? Uh-huh. And I think it it just kinda it just kinda went went from there.
1: What year was the Under Armour campaign?
2: Twenty thirteen.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that really, I mean, I think a lot of fit pros have that defining moment and it sounds like maybe that was a that was a great catapult for you to you know to make people aware of who you were and what you were
2: all about yeah you know the funny thing is that when she called me to invite me to the under armor headquarters i was in the charlotte airport on my way to idea <laughs> so to I- idea world yeah, that was my second, my first time going. A client paid for me to go. Oh my god. So I want I want you to have this opportunity. And so the second time I was in the Charlotte Airport, and that's when I got the call about Under Armour. And so I feel like those connections just happened right on time. I was still in my small world here in Alabama, but I was getting to know people in the industry because idea world. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Um,
1: sure. I'm, I'm curious to know how your work and career have played out as a Black woman in a predominantly white industry. I mean, how has being a woman of color impacted your opportunities and decision-making in our industry?
2: It is, specifically now, it is an exciting and an exhausting time to feel like I was always, I always had to fight. You know, it was very easy to overlook me because I wasn't in my 20s when I started teaching. I was less than six months away from my 30th birthday, which might as well had been, you know, 90. And I was black and I had a body that didn't look like anyone else on the team. Mm -hmm. The advantage to that was that I went into spaces that had only seen one type of person. Mm -hmm. And what it did was make it feel safe for other people who were different, how whatever difference it was to come into the space. Um, Sure, I have been overlooked for opportunities. Have I ever been told because I was black? I've heard it a time or two, you know, um, definitely been called derogatory names at work behind my back, definitely had my credentials questioned, you know, almost like, being put into my place. Like, I don't know who you think you are Hmm. type of thing, because I am I am clear and I have the, the background, the education behind me. So I'm not the same as a 19 year old who comes in and has never taught a class. I'm thinking about organization. I'm thinking about reach. I'm thinking about fairness. I'm thinking about how you're advertising. And so to bring these questions up, it was almost like, how dare you? Like, you know, basically shut up and, and teach, or shut up and do this, or um, she's too old for this, or her hips are too big for this. I even had someone tell me I was too black to teach Zumba. And on the opposite end, there were times that I got it from black people who thought I was too white because I taught Yoga Pilates and Bar. Mm. You know, and it was always like trying to to find this 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 space. But I realized that where I am, I was to create the space. Mm -hmm. And I feel like because I know what it's like, I can identify it (laughs) without being told. And my work has really been about bringing in different representatives of all type, people who would go under the radar merely because of what they look like. Again, that could be any type of of difference, ageism, you know, ableism, anything. And to make it okay that the door is open for all and you can be the leader too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and and so that's been been my work, honestly kicking down doors and I am okay with it and, you know, knocking out bricks just to say when my 18 year old who wants to be a physical therapist gets up, it won't be unusual to see black women who look like her mom mm-hmm. in the space where she wants to be.
1: And, and so, so often, I mean, really just seeing yourself in another person, another leader is really what unlocks your
2: confidence sometimes, right? Very, very much so. Um, when you're the only one, it can be very isolating. Mm and exhausting because you feel like you're always in an unseen fight, so to speak, if that, you know, if that makes sense. And Sandy, I worked at a bar studio and I was the only Black instructor. And at a staff meeting, I asked, do you have any idea what it's like to see no one who looks like you in this building for weeks? And it shut the meeting down because everybody went yeah. with this blank face and it wasn't a blame thing. What I was saying was I have a different set of issues happening, you know, and right now you never have to think about it. And there's a difference, you know, um, there, there's a difference it, it feeling like you always have to have more, which is why I feel like I have so many certifications because I felt like I had to be three times as good to be mm. seen as basic.
1: Mm. Well, I'm, I'm glad you stuck with it and y- yeah. you're just an absolute treasure in the industry. Um, I'm, I want to get into a discussion about, um, you know, over the past couple of years, we've seen more fitness organizations paying attention to diversity, equity, and inclusion issues. Um, mm-hmm. What has this looked like through your lens? Do you feel like we're making strides in the right direction as an dis- industry? And if so or not, what would you like to see more or less of?
2: Now, I, I think there are, I see two sides. Because do I think we've made strides? Yes. Do I think the performative allyship has made it hard because now we're suspect? Yes. You know, where we would go into spaces and help, but I'm. let me speak for myself. I'm really mindful, Sandy, because there are so many people who didn't want my help at all. They wanted my face, mm-hmm. you know, to, to take the brunt of saying, well, we have Tasha. And so now we're diverse and you should come and having to like weed through that, um, mm-hmm. To support organizations that I know are doing the work behind closed doors, even if it meant um, Black constituents were upset with me because they felt like I was selling out. Mm-hmm. But also stopping the buck for a company who merely just wanted an image, you know, wanted you to take the heat for them. And so I would like to, at this point, look more at leadership. I would love to see more Uh, Black people, more women in general Mm
0: -hmm.
2: in leadership positions where we are not just coming in telling you how to not be racist or not be biased, but where we are running some of these organizations,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, um, instead of being the one person that is called every time. This, these four or five organizations need a black person, they call this one person, like that sort of thing. And to start bringing in other voices. And honestly, what I would really like to see, Sandy, is I, I'm going to say I for anybody that's listening. I would love to be a part of like the trainings, the people before we send them out into the world. Now that we're making these changes to discuss what it's like to, to, to be aware of cultural differences, mm-hmm. to be aware of body differences, um, to talk about, and I I use air quotes with DEI because I feel like we've worn that term out so much that people overlook it. They're just like, I don't want to hear it anymore. But to talk about how to make things more accessible, and I mean, body-wise, financially, all of that kind of stuff, and inclusive so that every person feels like they have a space. But to really talk about that, before we send people off into the same toxic environments that we all have created. So I would like to see us more on the training side, more of the proactive work than the reactive work.
1: So are you are you saying when a person goes to get a, their base certification that this needs to be part of the CERT, the training?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we are beyond the point of getting away with, I feel like, of teaching someone this and saying, take this choreography and go teach tomorrow, you know, because if you aren't aware of the culture that you're sending the person into, you know, if a person learns this choreography and that's all they've learned and then they go in there and say, okay, it's time for us to get our bikini bodies and, you know, suck in your gut and oh, my gosh, you know, (laughs) so. A lot of the conversations that we're having need to be on the front end, specifically now that we uh, have kicked the door open on the fact that this is an issue. You know, now maybe we can start working on the people who are coming in and make it just an everyday thing as opposed to something they have to go to a special training for. Ten years after they've been in an industry.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's such a great point. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you have a master's degree in counseling. Um, and True. you also hold two health coaching certs. Um, it, I do. Which is very clear. It make, makes it really clear to me that you saw a lot of value in this specialty. Mm-hmm. And again, that gut instinct of yours to get people's stories from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share some of the most gratifying aspects of being a health coach for you. And um, if you could give a few reasons why you'd encourage other fit pros to look harder at the coaching niche for themselves.
2: I think the gratifying part for me was to see past what I consider someone's excuses. You know, it's looking at a person holistically. Chicken, brown rice, and green beans are not a meal plan, but I understand why you did it now because we've talked because you saw someone else do it and you're desperate right now because you've been working out for 10 years and nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. So it's like that getting behind why a client is constantly late because they don't sleep because their hormones are disrupted, you know, and to be able to understand those spaces, but also when you're the trainer, you just tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. as a coach, it's the opposite. I follow the client's lead. That's it. And learning how to keep my mouth shut, (laughs) you know, (laughs) uh, give prescriptive uh, all across the board advice and to get into everybody's individual thing, And to understand their habits and how to support them where they want to go instead of where I think they should go. And I think that that's an issue with fitness professionals is that we believe everybody's goal should be to lose weight, Mm -hmm. to build muscle or whatever. When someone's goal could be, I want to be mobile so that I can get around with my grandchildren. Mm You know, and so I feel like health coaching was an extra set of tools as far as thinking about behavior modification instead of do or die. You know, like you need to do these 100 burpees because I told you to and that's going to make you lose weight. Well, if a person hasn't told you that, first of all, they feel like their body's in the way it doesn't feel comfortable for them or they came from a position where there was somebody who was very authoritarian in their PE class and now you know burpees terrify them. You don't know that if your only tool is to give reps and count.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and I know that that's not for everybody, but when I tell you my personal training practice changed and the way that I was very mindful of how I taught specifically in like a yoga class, if yoga is a lot more emotional than doing chest press. And so to know how to respond, if someone had a emotional thing and to create that environment where people felt safe to be themselves, because like I see it in my head, I had a friend who lost her mom. She was in my yoga class and one day it just hit her. Mm. And before I could say anything, The class was basically like surrounding her. It was like everybody had made this circle, but it was because our yoga class was more than yoga, you know, and so helping people to get to where they want to be in small steps instead of financially benefiting from setting up 28 day (laughs) challenges that we know they're never going to get to their goals unless, you know, they eat 500 calories a day. That extra tool, I'm telling you, is it's life changing for you and your clients. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like
1: uh, you know we have to get at the why. Of, of why the client is there and not assume that it's any of these things that the industry automatically thinks because right. that, can, that can really insult a person and derail them, first of mm. all. Um, but also, it, it seems like having coaching skills in your toolbox is pretty essential to really having impact on a client's life. If you're just out there prescriptively giving a workout without finding out Why they're there, what what they're all about as a person um, makes it really difficult to to help them make change.
2: Yeah, because that's what health coaching is, is is health coaching is not forever. Now, I do have some clients that I can never get rid of. I'll be training them until I'm 80. But (laughs) health coaching is setting a goal and then working on a plan to get there. You know, like if someone's goal is about, yeah, I'm in here working out with you, but I really want to stop smoking cigarettes or I really want to focus. It's that one specific goal. And what we're doing is building, you know, like smart goals. So we're building up to that time so that their eyes are on something and we are helping them navigate small steps Mm -hmm. along the way. Instead of saying you say you want to lose 60 pounds in six months. Okay, great. sign a dotted line, and I'll train you. You know health coaching does is, a, is is a lot different than that. And again, you get to the heart of what a person desires as opposed to, you know the standard what we tell people they should want right. that That's so much
1: more meaningful and powerful yes. to to dig in and and get those reasons and then mm-hmm. then set a goal based on those, yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're taking a quick break from this insightful conversation to bring you some really exciting news about the upcoming Idea World Convention. As Idea celebrates four decades as an industry leader this year, we're offering Idea Fit Plus members truly incredible limited time pricing to attend Idea World Convention July 20th through 24th in Las Vegas. As a way to celebrate our 40-year milestone, we're offering pricing for Idea World, that's a full four-day registration starting at just $82 for IdeaFit Plus members. You heard that right, just 82 bucks for an amazing career experience you'll never forget, as well as over 20 CECs approved by more than 20 certifying agencies act fast as this stunning deal expires in about a week on april 8 2022 join us and experience the unique high energy festival of fitness that only idea world can deliver this is your opportunity to join thousands of your colleagues personal trainers group fitness instructors health and nutrition coaches business owners and managers and mind body specialists for four days of unparalleled learning opportunities and unforgettable experiences. This will be a once in a lifetime celebration of world-class education, product knowledge, and parties you won't want to miss. Learn more about Idea World Convention and our ongoing 40th anniversary celebration by clicking the events tab on ideafit.com Or by calling an an IDEA Inspired Service Representative at 1 800 999 4332, extension 7. And now let's get back to our conversation with Tasha Edwards. Tasha, one of the sessions you led at Idea Personal Trainer Institute recently um, was focused on body image and behavior change. I had the privilege to be there for about an hour of it, um, and the conversation with attendees was pretty lively. Um, could you please walk us through some of the main points you discussed and explain why you feel these are crucial conversations?
2: Well, one of the main the main things that I felt like the eyes like went wide on was to realize that I did a survey with with women I am in in spaces with, and, and they were mostly women, um, if not all women, but 75% of them either thought no or couldn't decide if we as fitness professionals were more helpful than harmful when it came to their body image. Mm. You know, and I was like, we're talking 75% of these women feel like we're their problem. <laughs> or they don't know, you know? And so part of it was also allowing trainers to delve into their own stories and about how their stories set up biases without them knowing, because they have to pretend like they don't have them because that's what fitness professionals do, you know? And so to get, I think that's what really set it off when people were able to share as professionals I struggle with eating disorders. Um, People who are thin have body image issues too. I was bullied in school and this is what I remember. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and those sort of things. And so people started to see themselves inside of that story and to now put that up against the messages they've been giving out. And it's like, oh my God, we've been doing this wrong, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. as, as long as
1: I've been in the industry, um, I, I, I still struggle with, with body image issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I grew up, a an, an athlete and I got weighed in every single time I went and mm-hmm. I was 113 pounds and my coach yelled at me for gaining a quarter pound and yeah. that stuff has never left me. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've been trying to work through these issues, but I can see how it can derail, a, a person um, in, to, you know, trying to make progress with themselves. It's you always look at yourself in the mirror and you see something different than what's really there. And I think a lot of not only fitness professionals, uh, you know, have these issues, they right. sort of telegraph them to their clientele as as well.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. And part of the discussion was... Um, Breaking down the logistics, like, you know, telling people that they should only work out for joy or this is the benefit. And it was like a whole long speech. And I'm like, yeah, but if I'm struggling. And now you sound complex now, not only am I still thinking about my body now, I'm thinking I'm dumb because I can understand anything that you said, Mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like um, we've drawn a line sometimes I feel like us and them. Like, I know everything. You need to listen to me because I'm the one in the size two. even if I've been struggling with an eating disorder for 20 years. But I'm not going to tell mm. you that, mm. you know, and and so to hold hold us responsible for the biases we bring into spaces with people who trust us. And 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 that was a hard pill to swallow for people in there and for me and it's not just for women. I think that's the other thing we talked about in there that twenty-five to forty percent of all eating disorders belong to men. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a that's an eye opener. It, you know, it's per- pervasive, and mm-hmm. um, we just don't really lo- look at that.
2: Yeah, not at all. And and it it was. I felt like that that session ping-ponged all over the place, but it was that there were so many people in there who got what they needed mm-hmm. and without divulging the full story, someone came to me and if you're listening, I'm still thinking about you someone came to me at the end of that session and told me it was the the anniversary of their mom's death that day and what they got from me was that they did not have to have that heart exterior that they could be with people and allow people to feel and that one, Sandy almost took me out. Like I was just like, mm. I didn't know what to, to say, but that is also um, to honor the people who were there and who were willing to have those hard conversations and disagree and admit and cry and confess and say it and challenge, you know, it was, that was a group effort. And I I, that will go down in history as one of the best sessions, even if I teach a hundred more, it it will, it will.
1: Yeah. It, it was a great session. And, um, there was some, so much open and honest, um, conversation in there and you facilitated yeah. it beautifully and you pushed back, um, I did. You, you gave people space. It, it just, mm-hmm. it was, it was
2: really a beautiful thing. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. It, it was, it was, it was an honor and, To have trainers come to me afterwards and say, you know, I've never really had a session where it wasn't about reps and programming and things like that, you know, but also for me to address me and not just come to a session that was completely about my clients. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're thinking, feeling beings, and that's a huge part of what, what holds people back. And so we need to be addressing these issues more often
2: absolutely um yeah it, I, I like I feel chills right now I, I that was a great a great moment
1: yeah I wanted to switch gears a little bit here um mm-hmm. it's it's related in, in a way um so many non-exercisers are paralyzed by what we're calling gym intimidation factor now. How do body image issues feed into this? And how do you think industry industry pros can be more aware and mindful of their own behavior on this important issue? So again, that whole telegraphing what what we're thinking about ourselves in, you know, without even realizing it.
2: Yeah. Um, one of the things that I feel like on our side that we really need to get clear on is that the people who left the gym in March 2020, even if they're in the same like human space, they are not the same people, you know? And so using things like COVID weight and COVID pounds and saying how we lost our weight and I wasn't sitting on the couch doing, you know, all the things for as many people that like your comments for things like that, there are as many people sitting in the background like horrified and feeling shame. Mm. And it's like, we've shamed people for gaining weight or for aging. All bodies change. You know? And so there's a, a point that I feel like so many of us have this like no mercy attitude. Like if you come to my class, I'm I'm gonna kill you. And I do, you know, like that sort of thing. And you're coming back in with people who number one are in different, different physical shapes, but also um they're ashamed and they feel they feel guilty. And it's taken a lot of them time to even get back into these places and to have some grace for that because maybe you knew what to do or maybe you had access to a gym or maybe you could work yourself out. But to understand that these people didn't. And that's kind of where I feel like the health coach, even if you never became a health coach, the training, just to start thinking about this in another way and to make our classes accessible to all levels. Mm -hmm. I do understand that certain things have to be level and that's fine. But again, like thinking about clients that would come to be like, oh, you need to kill me today because I ate. And I said, honey, I don't kill people. That's not, (laughs) and I don't ever want you to go out into the universe saying Tasha killed me. I was like, don't say that. And I understand that that's been part of the culture, but.
1: Or feeling like you need to be punished because you over or you ate something that's considered to be unhealthy. Exactly. It's ridiculous.
2: Exactly. So we have to change our change our messaging. Unfortunately, messaging and marketing
0: <laughs>
2: sometimes end up in, you know, mush or whatever <laughs> that we'll say whatever we have to say to get people into our program. Right. You know? And so to meet people where they are. Specifically, as a trainer, you know, I, I told people if someone hasn't done Pilates, I need to find an entry point. I'm not going to go in and do the hardest class I've ever taught and say, you just need to learn to do it. Right. You know, I'm going well, to I'm not a- coming back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. What do people? Enjoy. I even told some of my clients and some of my former students, I said, we're going to have a a dance class that's called like move in the now, which means I'm going to show up in my 46 year old body, what my 46 year old likes, which means I'm having disco and I'm going to have earth, wind and fire. And that's how we're going to dance. And they were like, oh, my God, I'm going to be there. It's an entry point to people who have not exercised in two years, feel ashamed to go back, don't know what to do, don't know who to trust. All I said was their favorite music artist was well, something as a song to say, without judgment, just come on, just come on in. Let's let's do that. And to have that sense of um, openness to know that they're not us. We're trained professionals.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So, this reminds me that you and Jen Hall are presenting a session at Idea World in July yeah. called Everybody Dance, yes. um, creating a passionate group fitness culture, which is exactly what you're talking about right here. Can you please mm-hmm. describe, uh, just to give a plug for your session at World um, in July, would you please describe what you and Jen will be teaching and how it will help? Um, receptive instructors to improve the culture of their classes, to make them more welcoming, more inclusive to everyone?
2: Yeah. So, so we're going to talk, do talk. So we'll give a framework of the class and we're actually going to do a class. And what I'm going to tell you is that everything that you'll learn in the lecture part is something you're going to actually do in class, probably without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. Because when you feel it, you can embody it and you can see which ones made you feel welcome, included, excited, you know, that, that sort of thing. And to think about, to be able to put, I don't want to say tricks because that's not really what it is. There are certain skills and mm-hmm. how to keep people involved and keep doors open and to make everybody feel like they're a part and that you are there for them and they aren't just your backup dancers,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that sort of thing. So, and Jen Jen Hall is like the super phenomenon. She's a really good friend, but you know, Jen was a backup dancer for Beyonce and Jay-Z and, and that's her career. She had a career as a professional dancer and she's been teaching group fitness for a really long time. And so we've both worked on certain things that make people come back to our classes mm-hmm. and to make the doors open so that other people can come to our classes. And so I I'm loving the at first it was just going to be a lecture and Ryan said, you should probably put a workout in there. I was like, I got it. So (laughs) so the talk do talk method like this is going to be something that you can take with things that you already have and literally like implement them. You may not have to do all 10, maybe one. And notice the feedback from your, from your clients and say, okay, that worked. Mm-hmm. Let me try this, you know, um, just to get us thinking, just to get us a little more creative thinking. Do you think that
1: um, talk, do, talk, could that sort of approach could work with branded programming, which is very scripted, but can you, as an instructor, sort of riff on that and, and do your own thing and, and make it more inclusive?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that there is a, my classes, there was always like what we call the announcements. (laughs) So I got to class early, I mic'd up, people got to class early, I would talk about what was going on in my day, I asked them what was going on in their day, you know, or random stuff like who ate, my class was on a Monday, what'd you eat over the weekend? And it was a sort of thing like where people could let their guards down Mm -hmm. so that when class was ready, it was me and them. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, she's a teacher. They felt at ease with me because they trusted me. Sure.
1: You created a real sense of community.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, r- rapport. and to pour into them in some way, which is some of what we'll be doing in the class as they're exiting. Yep. You know, instead of just turning the music off, saying bye, you know, and walking out the door with my bag on my shoulder, there's a, it's the same way. A talk, do talk for the classes that you teach. and And how that little bit of investment, those little four or five minutes before class, I taught that class for nine and a half years in the highest um, time, space, whatever you call it. I had the highest number of attendance over nine and a half years consistently. That is amazing, yeah. Yeah, for a reason. So I'm so so excited. I'm so excited for that.
1: Well, I can't wait. Idea World, Las Vegas, it's our 40th anniversary, um, July 20th through 24th. Um, We have amazing pricing deals going on right now. I don't know if you all have seen them, but if you're an IdeaFit Plus member, um, your pricing starts at $82, folks, $82. I saw um, that.
2: That's amazing.
1: Definitely come and see uh, Tasha and Jen do that session. But there are literally hundreds of other sessions to choose from. Um, uh-huh. Tasha, it's it's so clear to me that you are you're infinitely passionate about accessible and inclusive wellness spaces. If mm-hmm. you were to, um, you know, grade the industry, if you're filling out a report card for how the industry is doing on this front, what would our grade be and how can we make steady progress toward making everyone feel welcomed and safe in our gyms?
2: B a- minus somewhere where it's almost like me telling my kids, you're barely passing and that's not enough.
1: So D minus, I just want to clarify yeah, D minus. Yeah. Well, okay. well, C,
2: C, C minus D plus as the kids would say, Okay. because I, I, but I, but I, I need to acknowledge that I see the effort and that is worth acknowledging and celebrating whether you found out 10 years ago and did nothing or whether you course corrected in the past two years, there is change that's happening. And I want to acknowledge that, um, I also feel like, again, that more organizations with big platforms start to amplify the voices um, more than the same couple of people that they feel safe with or trusted or whatever, because there are hundreds, thousands of other voices who have um, diverse experiences that can add to the conversation more so than, than doing the DEI plan. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're talking about still different type of bodies, um, different colors, and also maybe putting women, you know, take pictures of guys doing group fitness as opposed to always having them in the personal training space. And then the women as the participants right. or the women, lead. you know, like to think about who our audience is before we put things out. You know, if I'm saying it's inclusive, but all of my um, advertisement are young, thin white women in sports bras, I may not think it's a big deal, but someone who's the opposite of that, of any who's not all of that may feel intimidated because they think they don't belong, you know? So it's advertisement, messaging, leadership, and consistency over time Mm -hmm. to show that we didn't just do this because it was a fad, like we're in this for the long game.
1: So again, that the visual, is so important you ha- mm-hmm. people have to see themselves in 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 what we're putting out as far as marketing, messaging mm-hmm. um, and you know words matter for sure. yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Well, Tasha, we are just about out of time, but before we go, um, would you please let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you, either on social or otherwise? And then if you would leave us with a parting thought that will help keep our pros focused and excited about brighter days ahead for the industry.
2: So, I, and it's so funny because Jen actually just redid my website. <laughs> so it's <laughs> Tasha, TashaEdwards.com. And I, I hang out on Instagram more than I should, but um, Hip Healthy Chick is my Instagram handle, and you can find me on Facebook. Um, and I also have a nonprofit that's called See Her Healthy, and you can find us on Instagram as well. Um, my parting thought would be. The extra step is always worth it. And that's on both ends. So the extra step of taking care of you is always worth it because when you do that, then you can take the extra step for the people that you are serving. It's it's never wasted. That little bit of extra, that one thing that's been in the back of your head saying, I know that this can be better or I can make more connections if I do X, Y, Z, it's worked it, you'll change somebody's life.
1: I love it. Um, and, and I know you recorded a session on on uh, self care, you I know, did. That, that very topic from PTI uh, Personal Trainer Institute, which will be out probably around June. So, everybody look for that. Um, mm-hmm. with more pearls of wisdom from Tasha. But hey, folks, you heard it here from Tasha Edwards, the one and only The Hip Healthy Chick. Um, Tasha, thank you so much for sharing your your thoughts and your time with us today. Um, So much inspiring information that points to um, a, a brighter future for all of us. Thanks for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I loved interviewing Tasha Edwards. To learn more about her work or to connect with her, please check today's show notes to find the links if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, you can find the Idea Fit Pro Show at Apple Podcasts and all other major platforms. We'd be honored if you took a minute to give us a rating and we'd be so grateful if you would share the show link and news about the podcast on your social feeds. Meantime, we'll keep working hard to bring you more great material like this. This is Sandy Webster signing off. Until next time, stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to support you in this critical purpose thanks for all you do to make the world a healthier happier place the idea fit pro show is part of the outside inc podcasting network many thanks to our executive producer jordan Leeds and our engineer and editor mike hilding Copyright 2022, all rights reserved. Reproduction without permission is strictly prohibited.